Guys, thank you for joining us. We are here uh, as the Crossways Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me, my very, my very good friend and co-host, Josh Fowler. Josh is in uh, Baton Rouge, and I am broadcasting from Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, this is the Crossways Podcast, where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. And we're looking at our parables, or our Jesus's parables, right now. Specifically this week, the parable of two sons. And I really like this parable, but before we get into that, Josh, uh, I know you were talking about this in the pre-show, but uh, how are things going? Yeah, things are going good. Really good. Um, had another little uh, a little hurricane blow through last night, but you know, it's, yeah. it's 2020 and, and for us this year, it's just a, a Thursday, I guess. Um, yeah. Been a... I have not been in Louisiana for long. Um, okay. Say it, it's been over five years, but that's kind of crazy to think about. So this is our uh, kind of a sixth uh, hurricane season to go through. And we can uh, we can forget about it. They can never have one of these ever again. No, no, this, this has been crazy. I think there's another uh, system in the Caribbean that's getting ready to move this way. So. Oh. I didn't know about that, but I'll tell you, I have a lot of family in Louisiana, as you are aware. My parents are in Baton Rouge, and um, I have family in New Orleans, and Abita Springs, and uh, all over the place, really. And um, they were, you know, posting about, oh, updates, you know, storm passing by, still have power, or no, don't have power, or power was flickering, or, you know, one of my my great aunt, I guess. Um, you know, how, how does she still have power? Well, she's on the Navy base, you know, you know, circuit. So if the Navy has power, she has power, you know, she's not on the base, but she's close enough where she's on the same, I guess, um, grid. grid or whatever. So, uh, they're not going down, you know, they have all kinds of backups. I'm sure. Well, apparently this was the first hurricane that the eye passed directly over new Orleans since like 1965. They've had some that have come close, but you know that I went right across New Orleans and first one since 1965. Yeah, I can uh, remember. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I got that from a friend of mine who has so much trivia in his mind. It is unreal. <laughs> I stopped well, I questioning you. whether it's true or not. <laughs> I tell you, uh, I remember when Katrina was coming and it looked like it was going to go over New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, and that would have been terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was already bad, but it would have been absolutely a nightmare. And um, I think right the last couple of hours before it made landfall, it shifted those that 30 to 40, 30 to 50 miles mm-hmm. east. And just, I mean, that's why Biloxi got destroyed and, instead of New Orleans. I mean, right. it, it just completely, you know, just hammered but it hurricanes are no joke for those of you who aren't really from the south but uh for those of you who are watching um we have a good audience question we want you to be thinking about have you ever lived so close to something great but never used it you know you never took advantage of it and uh, josh um you were talking about this a little bit before but uh before you tell your story you know Catherine and i uh, lived in south carolina for a little bit um Depending on your your definition of great, um, you know, we live near near the beach. 
Um, I think we went to the beach like once. And um, now there were times where we went to Broadway at the beach and that was like a little outlet mall or outlet shopping center. It really wasn't on the beach, but uh, it was nice. It was, you know, had good weather normally and had a really cool movie theater in it. So we went there to get and, you know, I'll tell you about this, Josh. They had this, they called it, it was one of those Carmike theaters. So we did, we did take advantage of that. They had one of their big D theaters. So it was like an IMAX theater, mm -hmm. but non-IMAX. And uh, it was like a three-story high, you know, screen or something like that. So, I mean, this thing wow. was massive, right? And um, eight bucks, right? Eight bucks to go see this movie. People are like, it's so expensive. I'm like, you've apparently never been to Baton Rouge <laughs> or anywhere else in the country because eight bucks is like matinee, right? <laughs> but uh, no, we never went to the beach. Uh, when I was in Louisiana, you were mentioning something about Jazz Fest. I don't, I love jazz, but uh, never went. Never went. Never, uh, never been to Jazz Fest in New Orleans, huh? No. I've listened no. to jazz actually just yesterday. Well, and, you know, I grew up in Austin and I don't even know if I realized South by Southwest existed while I was living there in high school. It wasn't <laughs> until I got away from there where someone said, oh, you grew up in Austin? Man, you must love being right there by South by Southwest. I'm like, what's South by Southwest? It's like only one of the greatest music festivals in the nation. It's right up there with Jazz Fest in New Orleans. And so, you know, a lot of times things are right there under our nose. We don't have any idea about it. Um, yeah. My wife is the king of finding free things to do in a new town. And uh, we posted pictures when we went to uh, Kansas City. And people were like, oh, where were you guys at? Was like, oh, the Nelson Atkins Museum. It's like, where? Like in Kansas City. And they're like, no way. That's here? Where did it cost you to get in? Like, it was free. And these are people who had lived in this town, this city for <laughs> decades, you know? And so I think there's a lot of times there's there are things that really are just so close to us that we often don't realize, you know, what it is that's around us here. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Bruce says he's been the Churchill Downs. He's never been never been to the Derby, huh? I would I would See, have to go. But I'm I've been here for, yeah. Well, I've been here for five years and I've not been to the Derby either. Jonathan. I know. Jonathan. <laughs> now, this so, is, I haven't taken advantage of it, right? It's kind of this really makes me wonder like how much of our of our hometowns we um, take for granted or whether yeah. we take them for granted or not. Maybe we just don't realize what it is that's around. Um uh, and, and believe it or not, this does kind of go along with, uh, you know, the parable we're going to look at today. And, um, it's it's always fun to find uh, unique ways to tie in some of these participation questions to what it is we're going to talk about. Yeah. But uh, looking at the uh, parable of the, of the two sons. Yeah. Parable of and, two sons. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I love this parable because it it, it kind of teaches us, uh, I guess, about you know a few different lessons. There's so many lessons to take to take you know to take from this. But um, for those of you who aren't familiar, this is uh, found in Matthew uh, 21, 
uh, toward the end of the of the chapter in 28 and following when there's a you know you have these two sons and a father and he's asking his sons to kind of go off and do some work right he says i want you to to work in the vineyard and one said one son said well kind of what a lot of sons might say <laughs> that's not happening <laughs> you know i got other stuff to do i don't want to go work and uh, but after he thought about it, he said, you know, it's probably best I listen to dad and uh, went out and, and did the work. And then he had another son who says, you know, yes, sir, I'm a good old boy. I'm a yes, man. I want to I'll just say yes. And uh, I, I kind of think about this when I was a kid, because what this son did was he he said yes and he didn't do it. And I can remember growing up and my mom would say, Jonathan, go and do this, this, this. Or she would give me a list of chores. And all I would say was, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Okay, 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 okay. And she would stop me as I'm walking away and say, Jonathan, what did I just say? I don't know. <laughs> she goes, I just asked you to do this. You did? You said okay. Well, I wasn't really listening, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I think, you know, we have these characters where their, their sons were being asked to do some work. One said yes and didn't do it. One said, no, I won't do it, but then ended up going out and doing it. And uh, it's talking about, you know, then he says, which one did the will of his father? Well, the one who actually did the work, you know, and that's kind of the introduction or I guess the quick summary of this parable before we get into kind of, I guess, the lesson behind it. Okay. So I'm going to have to pivot here. Okay. okay. Um. And you're going to have to ignore my notes in our show notes uh -oh. because the notes I have, what I call the, the parable of two sons is what most people call the parable of the prodigal son. Oh, I so, We talked about this the other but, day and I got makes, completely backwards. I'm so makes, sorry. It makes sense now why some of the things I was saying, you're like, I don't really know about that. I'm like, really? You, don't know about that? <laughs> you and I have been talking about two completely different. Well, that's so, okay. You did. We can pivot. We, we can make this work. This is live, guys. Just telling you, don't go by my show notes in here. Uh, at least not for Oh, no. We talked so. about this yesterday, too. See, this is what happens whenever you got so much going on. <laughs> no, this is good. And, you know, so my, my uh, participation question uh, is not going to ring quite as true because I'm thinking of, you know, the son that stayed with the father. And he says, everything I had was yours. All you had to do was ask. So we didn't realize. Yeah. That um, well, well, that's next week's. That's next week's episode. Next week. that's right. So, a you know, a little preview. Um, I, I like this 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 imagery, right? Because I've I even having my, my own children and they understand what the expectation is. Um, and so as a father, what I would really like is I want both. Right. Yeah. I want you to agree and do what you're supposed to do and what you said you would do. Yeah. Um, I don't want the disrespect of you telling me you're not going to do it and then you're going to be convicted later and go do it. And I don't want the disrespect of you saying, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then just kind of getting lazy. Um, I expect both. And so this is kind of a hard thing for me to to keep in mind, because in my human mind, neither of these responses is acceptable from my children. Um, yeah, for real. And, and I'm not. And I'm not certain that they are responses that God desires. And that's not really the question, though, right? Jesus asked them, here's the two situations you have. 
who is more right with God? The one who goes and does what he's, what his father did, even though his initial response was not very respectful or, or Christ-like, or the guy who responded appropriately, but just didn't follow through. Um, and so I guess the question really, and we can ask this same question we would ask before is, you know, who's the parable really about? Uh, yeah. Who's the main character? And I think here the, the characters are no one in the story. I don't think the parable is about the two sons. I don't think the parable is about the, perhaps it's a little bit more about the father. But I think, you know, what Jesus is talking about here, and again, we're, we're pivoting a little bit, so we're on the fly. But, but, I, but I really think that he's trying to teach these Pharisees to stop being so judgmental. I mean, just like you said, I want a yes and a follow through. You know, a no and a follow through is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus is trying to get them to realize, hey, sometimes it, it isn't, you know, because w- when I read this, I read that the son who said, I will not, it says he went out and changed his mind and did it. I've, I see that as someone who answered in haste, who then realized I made a bad decision. Right. And I need to go ahead and do it. And the father saying this is acceptable because. Even though you initially reacted in an improper way, I think that's fair to say, mm-hmm. you then realize that, you know, it's not really about me and I need to respect my father. So I need to go and do this. And he's trying to say it's all about the end. You know, the end isn't justify the means. We get that. But in this case, he says the people who are who might respond poorly, who then correct their mistake. That's really what it's all about. Oh, that's not good. Oh, well. My camera's about to die, so we're about to switch focus in just a second. But it's okay. I charged it, but apparently maybe it wasn't all the way plugged in or the outlet wasn't working. That's fantastic. Fantastic. It is. Um, well, if you look at what is going on here in in the life of Jesus, right? Right here at the beginning, or, or just up, not the beginning of the chapter, but Right before he tells this parable, he's in the temple complex. He's teaching, um, and the people come to him. The, the The leaders come and say, "You don't have authority to say the things that you ha- that you're saying." Yeah, like what authority are you doing this? And so Jesus answers in verse twenty four. He says, "I'll ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things." Where did John's baptism come from? From heaven or from men? And the people begin talking to themselves and they say, okay, well, if we say it's from heaven, (laughs) then he's going to say, why didn't you believe us? And if we say it's from men, then the crowd's going to get all up in arms. So we don't really have any, any way to win in this. And so they just said, we don't know. And Jesus says, okay, then I'm not going to tell you about what authority I'm preaching and teaching. And then he goes into this parable. Right. And if you look at the response that people have to Jesus, uh, it's it's varied. And, you know, some people, you know, hear his words and immediately respond and then walk away. And we'll see them later on in the Gospels coming around. We kind of see that with Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. You know, he comes, the teaching is hard and he and he kind of walks away. But we see him later. Um 
at the cross, we see him halfway through the Gospel of John taking up for Jesus in uh, in one of their council meetings. Um, and then we have some people who seem to be followers, but when they go out, you know, maybe their lives aren't quite the same. Uh, so yeah. we have we have those examples, those responses, and you, you can see the same with uh, the people we encounter each it, every day when it comes to what they're confronted with when it comes to the message of the gospel. But Jesus is talking from his authority, and he's using this to demonstrate his authority. And, and I think it's important to understand that in light of what we're talking about here. It's not as much about the responses as it is to the one who asks for the response. Yeah. And is willingness and to accept their work. Definitely. And and I think if you want to go with me on here, I think I can make a, a comparison to the parable we should have been doing and, okay. and kind of bring it together and mesh these two parables together, which is because parables have so many different lessons. You know, so we're talking about the, the Pharisees needing to learn about, I think, also proper responses to improper actions previously. Right. Where this first son said, no, I'm not going to. And he did. And he was doing something wrong at that point because his plan was, I'm not going to do it. And he went out and didn't do it for a little bit. And then he came back saying, you know what? I do need to do this. And to the Pharisees, that's unacceptable. We don't want you anymore. And in the parable we were going to talk about, which is the, you know, for a lot of people, the prodigal son, Josh. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Probably most people. You know, <laughs> you know, we had the one son who was told you're going to live a certain way. And he said, you know what? No, I want to live my way. Mm. And he he went and left. And then he came to his senses. Now, guaranteed, a lot. It took him a lot longer than this parable with the, you know, the son who said, oh, yeah, I need to do this pretty immediately after he thought about it. Then that son kind of had a moment of clarity saying, I made a big mistake and I need to go back and and make make up for that. And when he returned, you had that second brother who was acting a lot like the Pharisees who said, we don't want you back. You know, you just caused trouble. You're coming back and you want to just now be again, you know, under the household. No, this is not acceptable. You know, you lost your chance. And they and the brother, just like the Pharisees in this story with these two sons, they, they didn't want either son. They only wanted perfection and perfection was whatever they were doing. And uh, the son, just like the son, you got to be like me to be a real son. And I, I so I, I think I meshed those two together where maybe we're reeling some stuff back in. But I, but I, but and uh, to make up for my my little doozy. But but I think that 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 is something to be said. What do you think, Josh? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think the context is just so different in, okay. in those two parables. Um, yeah, because of what Jesus is is talking about and coming to, you know, he's talking about a pretty specific response to him and to his teaching, and and the way even the Pharisees were 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 listening and responding, and and even really in this case responding by saying, "Look, we got to kill this guy." Yeah, um, you know, so there is a there's often a vitriolic response to the message that Jesus has, um, even by people who should be embracing him. I mean, he is their Messiah. He is the one that they've been looking for. 
but the message he's bringing is not what they expect. Yeah. Um, the, the manner in which he's bringing it is not what they expect. He's riding into town on a donkey, not on a, not on a white horse. He's coming with an army of, of peasants and women and children, not with uh, warriors. Warriors. And, yeah. And so he's not he's telling like, them that they've been doing everything right. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's not coming to confirm that the Pharisees are everything God intended for them to be. Um, <laughs> he's coming here saying, uh, meek, meager, peacemakers, uh, surrender, sacrifice. And by the way, I'm going to the cross for you. And, I, I think of, uh, not to interrupt, I think of the, you know, the, the one good line from, uh, <laughs> from one of the, I guess the, hold up, it's the seventh Star Wars movie. Whenever, oh no, sorry, eighth Star Wars movie, my bad, the eighth Star Wars movie. The one where, you know, uh, I know it's Ryan, but I call him Rion because I'm mad at him, <laughs> and uh, that's how he spells his name. So, Rion, uh, when, you know, Luke says, everything you just said is wrong. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's the, the response Jesus is giving to these Pharisees. It's amazing. Everything you just said was wrong, you know, and they're like, hold up. We got to get rid of this guy because by golly, we, if we're right, we can't be wrong. And they, they couldn't, they couldn't take it. No. And, and, and they had to get point. rid of them. Especially when, um, you know, he comes here and he asks them. So you have the first son. Um, the first son says, um, I don't want to, yet he changes his mind and he does. And then the man went to the other son and said, go to work. And he said, I will, but he doesn't go. Right. So the first one says he's out, but he but he does what his dad tells him to. The second one agrees, but then doesn't follow through. Well, of course, they say, well, you know, the first one did, because the only thing the Pharisees were concerned about was. Um, they don't care about your heart. They didn't, I don't say they didn't care. They weren't concerned about the state of your heart. They were only concerned about your ability to follow the law um, appropriately. And so, uh, you know, of course they're going to say, well, obviously the first one. And he says, <laughs> yeah, I assure you tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. Um, He's calling him that second son. Is he? Or is he saying you're not either of them? If you think about Matthew's, particularly in, particularly Jesus' teaching in Matthew, consider this in light of the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, yet I tell you. You said don't murder somebody. I'm going to tell you don't even be angry with them. You've heard yeah. it said, don't commit adultery. I'm going to tell you, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus in the gospel of Matthew is, is so concerned about the state of the heart um, that I'm not sure Jesus is saying that either one of these is uh, more right than the other. Because for Jesus, both are important. Your action is important. Mm -hmm. But your attitude in that action is also important. Yeah. Um, and I think he's giving them two examples of kind of two extremes and then telling the Pharisees, you don't fit either. Your heart's not right and your action isn't right. 
and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Thieves, um, tax collectors, people who yeah. are cheating people out of your hardworking people out of their money. We're not saying current IRS agents, although that's a different story for a different day. But these people were literally stealing from people with the weights on the scales and stuff. And they were despised by pretty much everybody. Yeah. And let's and, not lose track yeah. of what's going to happen to Jesus in six days. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just come into town, into Jerusalem, um, and he's about to be crucified. Yeah, um, and and this is the beginning of those teachings that, in those last week, that last week of his life, where he is really holding nothing back from the Pharisees. Um, and this is yeah. where I really struggle with so many of his parables. As I look at the Pharisees and I say, "Man, those dimwits! How could they not see what was right in front of them? <laughs> how could they not understand what it was that they were doing?" Um. And when I read this parable, I associate with the sons. When I read the parable of the prodigal son, I associate with the prodigal son. Um, and more often than not, the son who stayed. When when I read through these stories, I find myself placing myself either, either in line with Jesus or his teachings. When more often than not, where I should be placing myself was in the role of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he is talking to religious leaders and teachers of the day saying, guard your heart. Um, because that is where for for many. Uh, that's where the that's where it kind of lies, you know, for us. It's a challenge. It really is. For sure. For sure. And I wonder. So then. If the lesson was for the Pharisees. And we're saying maybe we should put ourselves in the Pharisee's shoes. How does this parable, I guess, speak to us? Because when I read it, I, I, and often in the past, I've said we have to put our mouth where we have to put our actions where our mouth is, right? You, you know, but you're, you know, linking it to the let your yes be yes, your no be no. But that's mm-hmm. I don't think anymore. That's really the point of this parable. I don't think it's about oh man, both sons did bad. One was just better than the other because he actually did it, you know. And and I don't think it's about wow, this guy who said he would but didn't do it you know for me when i hear that i'm like wow there's nothing well i say nothing i exaggerate there are very few things that aggravate me more than when someone says i'll do it and doesn't do it Mm -hmm. now i've forgotten stuff i've been there before myself but if you make a pattern of saying sure i'll do something and then you never do it it's uh, it's very aggravating, and I think about this parable a lot. But then that puts me in. The, I think then that puts me in the shoes of these Pharisees, who were saying, "Man, those people are just terrible people. They have to be more like me, or more like so and so." And we start to kind of put boundaries, maybe where they don't belong. Now, should should people keep their word? Of course, but if I'm more focused on others then I'm not growing. Yeah. So let's put it in context of what they're talking about, right? They're talking about John's baptism. So what was the purpose of John's baptism? Um, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance. What are they repenting of? He's preaching to Jews. I'm perfect. preaching to Hebrews. Yeah. Um, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. 
make the straight paths for him. Um, And then we see while John is preaching and baptizing, what he's preparing the people for is, are you ready to receive the Messiah? And so John's baptism of repentance was them coming and saying, we are ready to receive Jesus. You know, that it was preparing the way. And then John looks in the desert and says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so then John's teaching began to to push people towards the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so there you have these Pharisees who are coming and he asked this question, John's baptism. Was it from heaven or from men? And they don't have an ability to respond without getting themselves in trouble either way. If they say it's from heaven, then Jesus has them in a corner. If they say it's from men, then um, the people are going to riot. Because there have been a lot of people who have been following John the Baptist. And so he asked them the question. They can't answer. And he says, okay. Um, So Jesus says, I'm going to pivot here on this for a moment. And he says, here's what's going on. And then he comes down here in verse 32. And he says, John came to you in the way of righteousness. And you didn't believe him. Yeah. Tax collectors and prostitutes did. But you, even when you saw it, didn't even change your minds then. And believe him. So you didn't believe him when he came. And even when you saw what transpired from his teaching and the fact that the Messiah is now here, you haven't changed your mind. So you can take your pick of these two, but you're not either. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I think I think when it comes to like what are we supposed to learn from this? Um it's uh I don't want to say it's complicated because it's really not complicated. Uh, either believe and do it or don't believe and then change your mind and do it. Uh, but what Jesus really wants, what God really wants from us is that our action and our response go hand in hand in order to do the will of the father. Cause that's the ultimate question. Who has done the will of the father? Yeah. Uh, and 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 he and he was and he's when he asked that question, I think he's like you said, he's saying, "You're not doing the will." I mean, that I, I honestly, when he asked him that question, like you said, you know, was John's baptism from God or from man? Uh, they knew the answer. Mm-hmm. They knew the answer. But if they he answered, had fulfilled it, plenty of prophecies, right? Yeah, if 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 they say you know he was from God, then the answer is then why didn't you listen, right? And if he yeah. says no, this from man, then all the then they lose all their influence because you it's almost like saying, no, that sky's not blue. Okay, uh, you lose all credibility now, right? No, water's not wet. I mean, just kidding. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's just you lose all credibility at some point. And um, and I think he's calling out the hypocrisy and he's about to continue and just demand, you know, demantling everything that they really stand for, which is really not truth. Yeah. So what what's your takeaway? I mean, if we're really getting down to this point of, you know. Parables are trying to use. And an earthly story to teach us about some heavenly truth 
about God or his character or his nature or his kingdom. Um, what's, what's your biggest takeaway from it? Uh, I think it's changed over the, you know, over studying it a little bit more um, differently, but I, I think now it's, it's perhaps, am I actually doing the will of the father or am I just thinking I am? I mean, let, let's not forget these Pharisees that they really thought they were right. They, I mean, they didn't think, oh, we know we're wrong. I mean, at some point they did, you know, and because they had gone too far, but they didn't start off that way. They started off by thinking this is the right way. They were devout in their beliefs up until a point, and then we start seeing their, their really dishonesty toward the end of Jesus' ministry. But I think the, the, the takeaway for me is, are there things in my life that I'm being too stubborn about that I need to just admit, yeah, uh, I need to stop doing that. Or yeah, I need to admit that this is godly. Or yeah, this is God's will. Even if maybe it makes me uncomfortable. Maybe even if it's not kind of what I think should happen. You know, God knows more than, than I do. Mm-hmm. What makes me think I'm so much more righteous? <laughs> I go, um, and particularly when I see, you know, the application here, uh, I respond properly to God's commands regularly because I recognize God's commands. Yeah. Um, where I struggle with is following through. Um. Like I don't need I don't need to change my mind to do what God has asked me to do, but yeah. I do often need to change my action. Um, and I find myself in a different boat than the Pharisees, but it's not so different. Yeah. Right? Because he says the the tax collectors of the Pharisees, they saw me and they recognized me and they believed me. And by the way, they followed through. Yeah. You didn't recognize me, you didn't believe me. And when you saw what was going on, you didn't even change your mind. And so yeah. you're not like either of these. And I think frequently I find myself in a place where I recognize what God is asking. And I don't think it doesn't matter if it's willful disobedience or not. You know, there is a there is a difference, I think. Um, but ultimately, God is concerned with our reaction and he's concerned with our action. I, I think of James. I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. No, it's I okay. You were... uh, so I, think I, of just, James. I, just, I just need to fold in here and, and allow my action to follow what I know to be instinctively true and and not get lazy and yeah. and allow busyness or whatever it is to consume so that I don't do the things that I have agreed to God that I would do, that I would respond with. Yeah, uh, I think James. of James when he says, you know, when you look at the perfect law of liberty and you don't do anything about it, it's like looking at your face in a mirror and forgetting what you look like. How absurd is that? Right. But at the same, you know, and I've always told I've used this example, maybe even on crossways, but especially to our teenagers and especially because it is so true. I know how to eat healthy. Uh, I know I know exactly what I need to do to eat healthy. I also know from being in sports, you know, growing up and, and a little bit in high school, 
I know exercises and and things to do that will get me in shape. Not just, oh, I'm healthy, but will get me in fit, physical, athletic shape. Right. And I'm young enough where I could still pull that off. But I don't do it. Now, at the same time, and I've asked him this question, what would you call me if I thought, if I, if I went around saying, I have no idea why this is not working, why I'm not in shape? You would call me a moron, right? I mean, you would be like, wow, no, you know exactly why. Because that bag of chips that you said you would eat across the week, you just ate it in, in 30 minutes, right? <laughs> you know, this is why you should not, you know, walk around with a bag of chips, pour it in a bowl. But, you know, the bigger the bowl, it seems like less, right? You just kind of pour a little bit in. Oh, it didn't take up as much of the bowl. You know, who wants small bowls? Then, you, you know, your portions seem bigger somehow. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that, you know, this is what, this kind of relates to this is I, I know exactly what to do. And yeah. I, and sometimes we look at the Bible and we say, yep, I agree 100%. I need to go evangelize. What's, What's for lunch? Lot? Yeah. That's the next phrase, right? What's for Correct. lunch? Correct. I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. Or yes, I know that I need to do fill in the blank. Yeah. Oh, cool. Look, the Bachelorette, you know, or yes, I just went. I don't watch that, by the way. I, I, I did that. To, I don't to believe you on, anymore. <laughs> stop it. Stop it right now. Uh, I have no idea. All I know is there's roses involved. That's about all I know. And uh, I don't even know how it works. The more right? you talk, the less I believe, Jonathan. Stop it right now. You're a bachelorette fan. Oh, no. No, sir. <laughs> uh, no, sir. No, no, sir. I would rather watch, I don't know. Let me think of a terrible show. I would rather watch Chili Tubbies than watch the, <laughs> the Matchelette. And if I'm, if I'm offending our audience as the, as the views go down, uh, truth hurts, guys. Tilly Tubbies is a better show. I mean, and Tilly Tubbies is a, is a terrible show. <laughs> we are digressing way too much. It's been fun, Josh. It has been fun. It has been but, fun. Um, it's good. Thanks. Those of you who are tuning in, thanks for watching. This is what happens when Jonathan gets confused on which parable you're talking about, even after we discuss which parable we're talking about. And prepares to discuss a parable that we're not talking about. So <laughs> I'm looking through the show notes, Josh, and I was literally going, I don't follow. <laughs> and I was like, I guess we'll see what happens. And uh, this is what happens, guys. And uh, the beauty of things that are live. But uh, we're glad okay. you're here. Uh, next week, we'll have to talk about the, the, the parable we should have been talking about. It's a good one. A lot of lessons to be learned. So to, uh, not tomorrow, next week, Thursday, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Take your lunch break. Uh, I might be eating next, you know, next episode while we talk. I don't know. I'm getting pretty hungry now that you mentioned lunch, Josh. Yeah. And uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for that. But uh, as always, these videos are brought to you by the Ministry League. Uh, check out the app. It's good stuff. And then also... Uh, we encourage you to um, to look at the other podcasts we have in our network of podcasts. But I'm Jonathan Germany. This is Joshua Fowler, and we will see you guys next time.